Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Today on the program, we discover who is stealing from God, and we look at headlines from the end times. Watchmen on the Wall is here to bring clarity to the chaos. One of the ways we do that is through our website, swrc.com. There, you can get the latest prophecy resources, sign up for conferences, tours to the Middle East, and our free e-newsletter. Subscribe to our podcast, listen to archived programs, and read the latest articles posted by our Bible teachers. A wealth of information and encouragement, all designed to help you make sense of the world around you. SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. If you think atheists have reason, evidence, and science on their side, think again. Award-winning author Dr. Frank Turek is here to show you how atheists steal reason, evidence, science, and other arguments from God in trying to make their case for atheism. I'm excited about my guest on the program today. Dr. Frank Turek is one of America's top Christian apologists. He presents powerful and entertaining evidence for Christianity at churches, high schools, and secular college campuses that are often hostile to his message. He's also debated several prominent atheists, including Christopher Hitchens and David Silverman president of the American Atheist. Frank is a best-selling author, and he's here with me today to talk about his book, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Frank, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, James, I want to make it clear that stealing from God is not about tithing. I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) Christians go, is this book about tithing? No, it's why atheists need God to make their case. They're always stealing from God while they say he doesn't exist. Well, I said in the introduction, Frank, that you're an apologist. For those who I'm are not sorry. familiar with the term, yeah, what is an apologist? Yeah, it doesn't mean you're apologizing. It means that you're giving evidence for what you believe. It comes from a Greek word that's used in First Peter 3.15, always ready to give an answer, give a reason for the hope that you have. So it's really making a defense. It's not apologizing. We're supposed to give reasons why we believe Christianity is true. This is commanded in the scriptures. It's not an option. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, said Jesus. Mm-hmm. Always ready to give an answer, said Peter. Paul said, I'm set in defense of the gospel. In the Old Testament, of course, the Lord says to Isaiah, come let us reason together. We're supposed to have reasons for what we believe and why we believe it. Well, Frank, I heard you share your testimony at a conference a few years ago, and I understand that you were in the Navy when a yes. friend gave you a book. He was the son of a Methodist minister, and I had so many questions for him. He finally just said, you just need to get Josh McDowell books, Evidence of the Man's a Verdict and More Than a Carpenter. Mm -hmm. So I read those books, and I realized that Christianity was true. And then after the Navy, I went to Southern Evangelical Seminary down here in Charlotte, North Carolina, to learn more about that. Norman Geisler was the president at the time, and he was sort of the Michael Jordan of apologetics, or today we might say the the Tiger Woods or Steph Curry of apologetics. So I learned from him, and we wrote a couple of books together. One of them is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I and love I, that book, I, yeah. Yeah, I wrote another book that we're talking about today called Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Well, let's talk about that book. Tell me about the title, Stealing from God. Well, Stealing from God points out the fact that atheists have to steal aspects of reality 
that would only exist if God existed in order to say he doesn't exist. Let me just give you one example of that. Atheists often say, and even Christians sometimes say, wow, there's just too much evil in the world, right? So there can't be a good God. Well, the problem is, as soon as you say there's evil in the world, you're presupposing there is good, because evil does not exist without good. But if good exists, in an objective way anyway, then God exists. The only way good can exist in an objective way, it's not just my opinion or your opinion, in other words, it's really good, is if God exists, because his nature is what we mean by good. So as soon as an atheist claims there can't be a good God because there's too much evil in the world, they're actually presupposing God exists in order to say that. In other words, they have to steal from God in order to say he doesn't exist. They have to sit in God's lap to slap his face. Wow. In Stealing from God, you use sort of an acrostic to start Mm -hmm. each chapter. You spell out the word crimes that goes with the Stealing from God theme. Would you run through each letter and explain what each letter stands for? Sure. The C stands for causality. The R stands for reason. The I stands for information. The M stands for morality. The E stands for evil. That's the one we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And S stands for science. Many of these things atheists claim point to atheism when, in fact, I submit that none of these things would exist. Causality, reason, information, morality, evil, or science, none of those things would exist unless God existed because God is in some way required for each one of those in order for them to exist. So if atheists are going to claim any one of those points away from God, they're actually presupposing God exists in order to make their case. In the book, you write about a group of intellectuals that are known as the New Atheists. Who are some of the New Atheists, and why should we as Christians, as believers, be aware of their movement? They're a little bit older now, as you know, James. (laughs) They've gotten older. In fact, tragically, one of them has died, Christopher Uh Hitchens. He was one of the top New Atheists. Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, these may be names that your listeners possibly have heard. They're prominent atheists, and the only way they're new is they don't have new arguments, they just have a new attitude. And this really arose after 9-11, James, when people like Richard Dawkins and others began lumping all religions together, when they saw that the evil that Islam did in flying planes into buildings here, they said, well, all religion is evil. Of course, they lumped everybody together, which is not a legitimate way to actually make any case. You've got to draw proper distinctions. But they just had this new attitude that said, hey, we're going to come out against religion really hard, and we're going to claim anybody that is is a believer of any kind is not only wrong, but somehow they're immoral. Now, when they say that, (laughs) they're presupposing a standard of morality. But morality can only exist in an objective way if God exists. So again, they're stealing from God to even claim that Christians and others are somehow immoral for what they believe or what they do. You debated some of those new atheists. Tell me specifically about debating Christopher Hitchens. Well, Christopher was a brilliant British atheist who sounded more brilliant than he was because he had a British accent. (laughs) If you go to our YouTube channel, cross-examined, two words, cross-examined, you will see both of those debates I had with Christopher and other debates as well. We had one at the College of New Jersey, and then we had one at Virginia Commonwealth University. This is back in 08 and 09. Christopher, tragically, he died in 2011. But I've had other debates, too. David Silverman, you mentioned a couple with Michael Shermer, the editor of Skeptic Magazine. So I've dealt with some of the more prominent atheists out there, and I submit that they just have to steal aspects of reality that would only exist if God existed in order to say he doesn't exist. 
Well, now, in the book, Stealing from God, you write that a majority, about 75% of young people, leave the church after high school, partially because atheism is religiously promoted in college and in the culture. And that's very alarming. Why do you think churches, pastors, and families are not doing a better job of preparing young people for the atheism that they will encounter in the world? Well, maybe they don't realize it, or number two, they don't know how to do it. But our church, or the church in general, and when I mean the church, the, the whole body of believers, regardless of denomination, for about the past hundred years, James, has been anti-intellectual. Ever since the 1920s, when the church didn't think they could answer Darwinism, instead of engaging the culture, they separated from the culture. When you separate from the culture, when you take the godly people out of the culture, is it any wonder the culture goes godless? Mm-hmm. We seeded the universities to the atheists. Now they run the universities even though most of them were started by Christians. In fact, Harvard University was started by John Harvard, and the purpose of Harvard University was to teach young men how to be preachers. That was the founding of Harvard University and just about every other university in America. They were founded by Christians to teach Christianity, and we gave them all up to the atheists. And we don't realize when we send our kids off to college, we're sending them off into one of the most atheistic, skeptical places you could send them. And these people aren't neutral. They're actually, in many cases, anti-theists. In other words, it's not just that they don't believe in God. They don't want God to exist. And they will throw everything but the kitchen sink at you to try and convince you that God doesn't exist. I don't think any of their arguments work, but if you're unprepared for them, you might think they work when they really don't. If you're just tuning into the program, my guest is Dr. Frank Turek, author of Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. And you can get a copy of this phenomenal book by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Now, Frank, I know a big part of your ministry is going and visiting college campuses, and you take hostile questions. What are some of the most common questions you get from college students? Many of the questions have to do with moral issues today, Mm. James, because that's where the kids live. In a college campus, many people have a very developed sense of justice. You know, they're always fighting for some cause, which on one hand is a good thing. On the other hand, if it's untethered from the standard of justice, it can become a bad thing. (laughs) The problem is, is that many atheists don't really realize that without God, there's no such thing as justice. Without God, there's no such thing as rights. Everything's just a matter of opinion. So if there is no God, you can't say you have a right to anything. There's no right to same-sex marriage. There's not even a right to natural marriage if there's no God. There's no right to an abortion. There's not even a right to life if there is no God. Everything's just a matter of opinion. And so many of the questions have to do with morality. If God, why evil, for example? Or why did God kill the Canaanites in the Old Testament? Or why does God restrict us so much sexually? Or why did God create people he knew would go to hell? That actually turns out to be a moral question because it's impugning the nature of God. Or what about those that have never heard? These are all moral questions. And many of them come up on a college campus. About 70% of the questions I get have to do with those issues. Morality. That's very interesting. So they assume that good and evil exist then? They do in their actions, but when you ask them, is anything really good or bad, most of them will say no. So... On one hand, they're saying they have a right to this and a right to that, and it's wrong. Say racism's wrong, or whatever is big on a college campus now, LGBTQ issues are right, whatever they say. But then, as soon as you ask them specifically, is there a real right and wrong, or is everything just a matter of opinion? Is it all culturally relative? They'll say, oh, it's all culturally relative. So on one hand, they're fighting for rights. On the other hand, they're saying, well, really, this isn't really objectively so. 
(laughs) It's a big contradiction that I don't think many students recognize. It seems to me that when an atheist questions why God would allow suffering or why God would allow evil as if God was some kind of cosmic sadist or something, they don't understand the God of the Bible. Uh Basically, they've created a God in their own image. Oh, yeah. They want God in their own way. They want to be their own God. Is that what they're doing? Is it a form of idolatry in a sense? I think it is, yeah. In fact, uh, there's only two things that you can worship, and everybody worships something. You're either worshiping the Creator or some aspect of the creation. Paul talks about this in Romans 1, basically that we suppress the truth and unrighteousness to go our own way. Many people will worship their autonomy. Many people will worship their partner or their ability to have sex with whoever they want to have with or worship a bank account or worship a profession or worship a cause of some kind. Everybody's worshiping something. The only Mm -hmm. question is, what are you worshiping, and is that... Whatever you're worshiping, should that really be the object of your complete devotion? And if God exists, no. It should only be God who gets your complete devotion. I mean, look, we would be foolish to worship anything other than God if God really exists. And the truth is, He does. Amen, yes. Let's talk about science. You hinted on that a little earlier when you talked about Darwinism. In in the chapter that you write in Stealing from God on Science, you write, it's not God versus science, it's atheism versus science. Would you elaborate on that? Sure. Why can we do science? The reason we can do science is because the universe is orderly, that things happen in a predictable, orderly manner, that this is a world of cause and effect. That's number one. Number two, our minds can ascertain truths about the real world outside of our skulls. We can observe the real world, see this cause and effect, and come to conclusions about how the world really operates. That's what science does. Science looks at effects and tries to discover what caused those effects. If there were no God, then this universe wouldn't be orderly, nor would our minds be able to ascertain truths about the real world. But the world is orderly, and our minds can ascertain truths about the real world. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why can we do that? We can do that because this universe and our minds are the product of the great mind. You see, without God, why would anything be orderly? Why wouldn't this just be chaos? Why would anything exist, first of all? Nothing would exist unless God existed, because you have to have an uncaused first cause. The universe is not the uncaused first cause. The universe had a beginning. The laws that govern the universe had a beginning. And laws come from lawgivers. So science doesn't disprove God. Our ability to do science actually shows that God does exist. Now, this doesn't prove the Christian God, James. We don't know if it's the Christian God. We have to figure out if Jesus rose from the dead to say if the Christian God is behind science. turns out he did rise from the dead, and so the Christian God is behind science. However, when you look at the orderliness of the world and our ability to make sense of the world, that should give us a clue that there's an orderer out there, a mind out there that organized and sustains all this And that's why we can do science to begin with. Your chapter on evil is a highlight of the book for me. And you write that the problem of evil certainly seems to be the strongest argument that atheists have. And that evil is a problem for us as Christians in general, and in particular as Christians. Would you elaborate on that? Explain that. Yes, because I mentioned earlier that evil doesn't disprove God. It actually shows God does exist, because evil can't exist on its own. Evil is a parasite in a good thing. Evil is like cancer. 
If you take all the cancer out of a good body, you've got a better body. If you take all the body out of the cancer, what do you got? Nothing. Evil is like rust in a car, right? If you take all the rust out of a car, you've got a better car. If you take all the car out of the rust, you've got nothing. So evil doesn't exist on its own. It only exists as a lack in a good thing. And that means that there must be a standard beyond us of goodness. And any deviation from that standard would be what we would call evil. So we all know that evil exists. We experience it every day. We object to it. If evil exists, then God exists. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually true. Because there'd be no such thing as evil unless there was good, and there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. So in my view, evil is one of the most powerful arguments for God, not an argument against God. Now, it does raise the question, well, why would God allow certain evils to occur? But that's another question. It doesn't get rid of God. It actually just questions, well, why does this evil happen as opposed to some other evil happening or no evil happening? That's another question, but it doesn't disprove God. Well, Frank, the book, Stealing from God, opens with a very, very touching story about a man named Coach and the death of his wife, Nancy. And that story really hit home with me about the importance of faith in Christ. Would you share that story? Coach here in Charlotte, North Carolina, coached a football team for many years. Tragically, his wife, Nancy, got pancreatic cancer in her 50s and died rather suddenly. And during the funeral, he just got up to the microphone, and nobody thought he was going to say anything, but he got up to the microphone and he basically said that God is real. Even though my wife just died, I can sense him, he's here. And he was just pointing out that this is not the end, that he's going to be with Nancy again at some point. It stunned everybody because nobody thought he would say a word. But he got up and basically became the preacher. And the guy who was supposed to actually give the eulogy which was my co-author, Dr. Norman Geisler, after Coach sat down, he just said, the sermon's already been preached. (laughs) And that was it. And it kind of just stunned everybody because, first of all, we didn't think he'd say anything. And secondly, what he said was so eloquent Hmm. that everybody realized that we ought to really look into this issue of Jesus and God because if it's really true, this isn't the end. This is just a doorway eternity and that doorway to eternity everybody's going to walk through and you're either going to walk through it to be with Jesus or you're going to walk through it to be separated from Jesus that's up to you yeah that kind of faith is so real and so powerful Frank there may be someone listening today who doesn't know what it means to have that kind of faith so would you share how someone can receive Jesus Christ all they need to do is repent and say I've done evil and I need a a savior So if you repent, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God has risen him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, that all you need to do is accept the free gift that Christ has provided for you. He actually added humanity to his deity, came into this space-time continuum, allowed the people that sinned against him to torture and kill him, So he, being infinitely just, wouldn't have to punish these people, including us. He punishes himself instead. And that way he remains just and he becomes the justifier of the one who trusts in Christ. Look, if you don't want to trust in Christ, you don't have to. God is not going to force you into heaven against your will. If you don't want Jesus now, you're not going to want him in eternity. But if you do want Jesus now, you can accept the free gift he's provided to you 
And then, out of gratitude for what he's done, you can do good works to build his kingdom, to know God and to make him known around the world. That's why we're here, to know God and to make him known. But it's in your court. If you want to trust in Christ, you can accept the free gift. If you don't, God is not going to force you into his presence against your will. You're going to be separated from him in a place called hell. Well, the book is called Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case, and you can get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Frank, God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Get your very own copy of today's fascinating conversation with Dr. Frank Turek by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And be sure to get Dr. Turek's book, Stealing from God, for a gift of $15 or more. In an engaging and memorable way, Stealing from God exposes the intellectual crimes that atheists are committing and then provides four powerful reasons for why Christianity is true. Get your copy of Stealing from God for a gift of $15 or more by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, SWRC. Dot com. Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins come now to look at the news you need to know. Headlines from the End Times. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. In the days of the Old Testament prophets, God said to appoint a man to stand guard on the wall. The watchman would scan the horizon for signs of danger. When an enemy was spotted making advances on the city, the watchman would sound an alarm. Each day, we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we here on the Watchman on the Wall seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy and current events. Today, we're spotlighting stories that show a rise in Christian persecution around the world. Our first story comes from London, England, where a street preacher from the United States was arrested for preaching that homosexuality is a sin. Ryan Shivo, who describes himself as an evangelist and missionary, was arrested in London over the summer and charged with a hate crime. In an interview, Shivo gave the details of the events leading up to his arrest. He said, I was preaching the gospel on the streets as I frequently do. At one point, I talked about the issue of homosexuality and transgenderism. I said that homosexuality is a sin, and I was arrested. In a video that has gone viral, London police are shown taking Shivo into custody while a crowd of people ask over and over, what did he do wrong? This man did nothing wrong. What is wrong is the situation in the United Kingdom and other Western countries. We are no longer free to share the truth. The United Kingdom, like the United States, is becoming a communist country. Our next story comes to us from the United Kingdom, where a school chaplain was fired from his job and reported to the government's counterterrorism group for preaching a message against the LGBTQ movement. 
Chaplain Bernard Randall was dismissed from the school and reported to the Counterterrorism Task Force for telling a group of 11 to 17-year-old children that they did not have to accept an ideology that they did not agree with and that they could make up their own minds about gender and sexuality. Chaplain Randall stated that he gave the message because students in his school asked him to talk about it. Chaplain Randall spoke the truth from God's Word and was fired and accused of being a terrorist. Now, I understand that he has taken Trent College to court for discrimination, harassment, victimization, and unfair dismissal. We certainly hope that he wins his suit against the school, and we applaud his stand for truth. We continue our look at this international edition of Headlines from the End Times with a story from India where a Hindu leader issued a call for violence against Christians. Amit Sehu, president of the Hindu Nationalist Party, said at a rally, let us drag people from the church and stop conversions at any cost. Sahu then went on to say, we will not allow missionary work to be carried out in India and we will protect the Hindu religion by stopping all conversions. This call for violence against Christians comes weeks after all police stations in a district in eastern India were ordered to keep surveillance on Christians and report any conversion activities. In India today, there are millions of Christians, although they make up just 2.4% of India's massive population. However, reports coming out of the country show that there is a mass awakening with thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So in an effort to stop the move of God that is underway in India, Hindu leaders are calling for violence against Christians. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins, leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Did you know that our website, swrc.com, has over 700 prophecy materials? Books and DVDs that help bring clarity to the world and make sense of all of the nonsense. New items are being added almost every day. swrc.com. Hundreds of books and DVDs right there for you, your Sunday school, homeschool, or small group. Check it out, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer. Timely articles that bring clarity to the chaos and help you make sense of the nonsense. Get The Prophetic Observer for you and your family. Subscribe today, 1-800-652-1144, or online, swrc.com. And don't forget our resource spotlight today, Dr. Frank Turek's book, Stealing from God, for a gift of $15 or more. In an engaging and memorable way, Stealing from God exposes the intellectual crimes atheists are committing and then provides four powerful reasons for why Christianity is true. 
Get your copy of Stealing from God for a gift of $15 or more by calling toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow's program is going to be exciting. Dr. Carl Baugh will be discussing God's panorama of creation. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Dot com.